what a blessing. Thank God for a godly heritage. Amen? Amen. If you'll stand to your feet while you're turning, we're going we're gonna to take just a few moments, and I want to share a thought the Lord has given me, and I'm well aware of the time, and I'm well aware of the chicken. Say amen. Uh, was with them when they was cooking it, the, the pork, the Boston... Uh, the Boston butts and, and, and barbecue and everything that goes along with it. We're going to enjoy that in just a moment. But God has something to say. I enjoy when we get to talk to Him, but I really enjoy when He talks to us. And boy, if there's been ever been a time in our nation's history when we need God to talk to us, it's right now. We are in a mess. Our country's in a mess. Our economy's in a mess. Everything that we see... Uh, I, I, I do not believe that people really believe that it's bad. Some people are, and some people are beginning to. But I promise you this, we are in the last days. If you want to look and see what's going on in America, just turn to the book of Revelation, and it's all there. Every bit of it. But I want to I wanna share with you just a thought this morning, Second Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse number 12. 2 Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse number 12. Uh, it says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and they and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Solomon had just finished the, the, the tabernacle, the temple there. He had just finished this elaborate place of worship for his God. God begins to speak to a matter of fact. Solomon prayed first. He said, If we ever stray." If we ever forget you, if we ever leave and, and begin to live in a way we shouldn't, and you, you, you deal with us, and I promise you God will deal with you. He said, if we ever go off into captivity, Lord, if we would just pray and seek you again, would you hear our prayer? And this, this saying, uh, this answer from the Lord is an answer to the prayer he asked. This is what he says. He says, if I shut up heaven, this is God speaking to Solomon, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, say that with me, if which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be opened, and mine ears attempt under the prayer that is made in this place. Dear Heavenly Father, have your way in this service. Lord, I pray that you'll touch this word. I pray that souls will be saved. I pray, Lord, that saints will be revived. And, and Lord, we will come to know you as we should and come to love you as we should and come to serve you as we should. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's always my desire in a, in a, a special service, in an uh, uh, a extra special service like today or old-fashioned day or any, any big service, Easter or so forth and so on, that type of nature of a service. It's always a, uh, it's always a good idea to preach on evangelism, preach an evangelistic subject, preach on souls being saved because there's no doubt in my mind in a crowd this size uh, there are some lost people here. There are some people who don't know the Lord as their personal Savior. And it is my prayer that you trust Him today. It is my prayer that you believe on the Lord with all your heart, repent of your sins and turn to Him and be saved. 
Listen, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want my worst enemy to die and go to hell. Hell is forever. Hell is an a awful place. The Bible said there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody. I'll do everything I can and say everything I can to keep you out of hell. But I, that is not the direction that God wanted me to go this morning. It's not necessarily to sinners. It's not necessarily to the lost. God said it's time to deal with God's people. God's people. Listen, we, we live in a country that's forgotten God. We live in a country, uh, uh, listen, that, that, that began with a foundation in the principles of seeking our Lord and Savior. And being this is still in God we trust. Listen, in 1863, April 30th, uh, Abraham Lincoln, in the proclamation for a national day of fasting and prayer, He says, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us as we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our own hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own intoxicated with unbroken success. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. I believe he was speaking truth. I believe he knew what he was talking about. The nation had forgotten that our blessings came from God. It did not come from our ability. It did not come from our talent. It did not come from our wisdom. Our blessings came from God Almighty. We got so self-sufficient, we forgot God. Psalms nine seventeen says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Say, so what happened, preacher? I believe it's the same thing that happened to the nation of Israel before Israel, listen, settled into the, the promise that God gave them, before they settled into the land and to the, uh, all the blessings that, that God had promised them, He gave them a last-minute warning. He gave them a last-minute message in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. He says, beware, beware, beware. Listen, anytime you see the word beware, I think of a rabid dog. I think of, uh, uh, listen, poison. Anytime you see the word beware, it's something that you need to look for, something that you need to be careful. There's something bad. He says, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes, which I command thee this day. Watch what he says. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full. When thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Preacher, what happened? What happened? A nation who was in slavery. A nation who was in bondage. A nation who God reached down and plucked out of Egypt and brought to the promised land. Brought to a place of milk and honey. Brought to a place of blessing and favor. Brought to a place that they did not deserve. They forgot God who brought them there. When did that happen? When they became full. When there was blessing when they didn't need God anymore. 
It's amazing how many people will run to the church house and run to the preacher's house and, and run and beg for prayer when trouble is on the horizon. And listen, listen, when tragedy is on the door, it's amazing how many people will seek God, but when everything is okay, they don't need God anymore. We've forgotten God in our country. We've forgotten God in the schoolhouse, and we've reaped Columbine. We forgot God in the state house. And now we have three, three states in our country that have legalized same-sex marriage. God, help us all. When one does it, it just trickles down and it's going to get worse. You can believe that. We forgot God in the schoolhouse, in the state house. We forgot God in the White House. We have a candidate who has stated and believes this, this nation is no longer a Christian nation. He said, for whatever it is or whatever it was, it's no longer a Christian nation. God help us. We forgot God in the courthouse. No longer allowed to have the Ten Commandments. No longer allowed to have the acknowledgement of God in our courthouses. Listen, where are you going to find law and justice without morality? We've forgotten God in the courthouse. But sadly of all, we've forgotten God in the church house. In the church house. I was reading and studying, and I had, trust me, I had a whole lot more material than what I'm going to give you today. But God said, listen, don't harp on the White House. Don't harp on the State House. Don't harp on the School House. Don't harp in, the, in all those areas, because it happened at the church house first. He didn't say if, if the land or the nations. He didn't say if the Philistines. He didn't say, oh, if the Amorites or the uh, Amalekites. He said, if, oh, if they. He said, no. He said, if my people. Preacher, what are you saying? The schoolhouse, the state house, the white house, the courthouse, they're all in the shape they're in because of the church house. We've forgotten God. In a country that states in God we trust, in a country that... That, that God has just incredibly blessed on any given Sunday, any given Sunday, only 40% of church members in America attend the church services. 57% of the nation belong to some church, but only 10%, listen, 10% cannot even be located. 20% never attend. 40% never give. 60% never attend a prayer meeting. 80% do not tithe. 90% have never been instrumental in leading a person to Christ. In God we trust. Listen, it's not the state house. It's not the courthouse. All of that's happened, but it's the church house. We've forgotten God. Dr. George Truett. Dr. George Truett. Unbelievable man of God. He told in a sermon how in the Great Depression, listen, when it was behind, on March 18, 1937, people were prosperous. People were booming. Listen, in a town, New London, Texas, maybe you've never heard of it, but in New London, Texas, there came an oil boom. The streets were filled with new cars. Bank accounts were fat from royalties. Unfortunately, the material prosperity seemed to have caused a decline of interest in spiritual causes. The people of New London, Texas had no time for God. They had forgotten God. One Wednesday night, only the janitor and the pastor appeared for the midweek prayer service. On the very next day, a fateful Thursday, New Londoners went about their business as usual. School children were busy in the new school building, which had been constructed from all revenues. The school building was the pride of all New London. Suddenly, the new school blew apart in a thunderous explosion. Children were blown out of the windows upon the playground like leaves caught in a gigantic whirlwind. It happened too quickly for even a warning. 
One moment the citizens of New London were going about their routine work. The next thing they knew, they were picking up their dead children from off the school ground. Altogether, 294 children died from the tragic explosion. It was horrible. It was tragic. It brought grief to the entire city. Twenty years after the blast, an elderly Baptist deacon, an elderly Baptist deacon told Dr. Truett, he says, I'll never forget the scene in the Baptist church after the explosion. The church was packed and jammed the next Wednesday. Parents were sobbing in repentance. There were so many converted, the pastor couldn't keep count. We had all forgotten God and began worshiping the things which oil royalties could buy. But after the tragedy in which almost every family in the town and in the surrounding area lost a child, we woke up to see what was important, but we woke up too late. We've forgotten God. We've forgotten God. We've forgotten that God said, I will have no other gods before me. We've forgotten that the Bible says that God is a jealous God. We have forgotten that the Bible says that, listen, you, you're going to reap what you sow. God will not be mocked. Listen, I want to I give you three quick things and we're going to pray. I want you to see number one. If you're writing these things down, and I would encourage you to do so. I would encourage you to do so. I want you to see the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 13. If I. Say that with me. If I. Now there's three if I's in this verse. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. Number one, I want you to see the rebuke that is described. The rebuke that is described. He said, listen, if we get away from God, if we... Now, now by the way, you, you need to understand. You need to understand that God does not sweep anything under the rug. There have been things with my children that I've overlooked. There's been things that I didn't even know. There's been things that, listen, that they may have done that, that just, just went right over my head or went around. I never knew nothing about it. But there will never be a day, there will never be a time, there will never be an instance when one of God's children will get away with one blessed thing. Not one. Not one day. God is watching. God is here. God is well aware of our situation. God is well aware of who we are. And I want you to see the rebuke that's here. It is a personal rebuke. It is God doing it. You say, He's a loving God. I'm telling you, God said, I will send these things. I will shut up heaven. I will send the pestilence. I will send locusts. It is a personal, a personal rebuke. Psalms 32, third, uh, verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand, the psalmist David is speaking to God. He said, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Psalms 38 verse 1, O Lord, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thine hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, and as a heavy burden they are too heavy for me. This was after the sin of Bathsheba. 
This was after he fell into immorality. He was guilty of adultery and murder and did not confess it, did not make it right with God and tried to hide his sin. But be sure your sin will find you out. And when the prophet Nathan came to him and confronted him about his sin, this is his confession. He made it right before God. God said, I will touch you. Listen, Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. It says, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That's not a cuss word, by the way. That's talking about illegitimate. It is an illegitimate child. It is an illegitimate profession. If you're running around this country, if you're running around this city, if you're running around and claiming to be God's and claiming to be God's child, and you can go out there and live like the devil himself, you can come in here and go out and play games, I promise you this, if God is not beating the tar out of you, if God is not chastening you, if God is not scourging you, if God is not getting your attention and bringing condemnation and conviction in your heart, you don't belong to Him. He said, I will. It's a personal rebuke. It's a powerful rebuke. He says, so what if it don't rain? Do you understand? That was their commodity. That was their economy. They were all farmers. They were all agriculturalists. They were all people of the land. And if they had rain, they had food. If they had rain, they had blessings. Listen, the rain was their economy. Have you watched the news lately? Have you watched the news lately? Do you see what's happening to America's economy? Do you see what's happening to America's security? And they're blaming the whole world. Listen, the whole world is blaming the United States on all the economy collapse all over the world. Preacher, what are you saying? We have become self-sufficient. We have become, listen, prosperous. We have become everything that we are and we no longer need God. We do not give God the glory that's due unto His name and God will take the idols away. He's shutting up heaven. You can believe He's shutting up heaven. How do you know? Because the Bible says that God maketh poor and maketh rich. Your blessings, your bounty, your listen, all the goodness that's there, everything that's there comes from Him. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. I know what some of y'all are thinking. Y'all are thinking, boy, I tell you, some got Him mad. Oh, no. I wanted to sing Jesus loves me this. I know, bow our head and eat some chicken. That's what I wanted to do. Anytime you have a crowd like this, you want to be nice and sweet. But this is, God said, we've got to wake up. What has God got to do to wake up His people? Not the world, but His people. It's a personal rebuke. It's a powerful rebuke. But it's a purposeful rebuke. My dad never just snatched me up and whipped me just to stay in practice. I thought that sometimes. But do you know what? My dad corrected me on a regular basis. Apparently I needed it. But he didn't want me in jail. He didn't want me in prison. He didn't want me on crack. He didn't want me on meth. He wanted me to fear God. And he had a purpose for every correction. He had a purpose for every spanking. Every <laughs> spanking. Whooping. I didn't get no spanking. But he had a reason for doing what he was doing. 
Some of us, when God touches us and, and God tries to get our attention, God tries to get our attention. He, he, listen, He don't never come and just scourge you in a worse way. God always starts with a still, small voice. He tries to get our attention. When He sees us leaving and going the wrong way, He'll try to get our attention with a still, small voice. But I guarantee you this, if we don't listen to the still, small voice, it will become the roar of a lion. Not to upset you. Not to hurt you. Not to harm you. But He knows if you're going away from where you are destined to go, it will harm your life. My dad knew. He knew. When he whooped me, he knew it hurt. Big time. There was no question about it. Did not take a rocket scientist. When I'm climbing the wall, did that thing hurt? Say amen. But he knew this. If he didn't, the direction I would head would be worse on me than the whooping. Preacher, what are you saying? Some of us get ill feelings toward God and we get bitter against God because God has tried to get our attention. He's touched us in our marriages. He's touched us in our ministries. He's touched us in our finances. He's touched us in our, listen, our bank accounts. He's touched us in our workplace. He's touched us in our employment. And we're wondering why God's picking on us. God says, you need to open your eyes. I've never had God correct me that I didn't know why He was correcting me. Church, say amen. The rebuke that's described. But then, thank God there's a remedy. I'm glad when I get stupid on God, there is a remedy. He said if they leave, they do wrong, and I have to correct them, I have to deal with the situation, if I have to shut up heaven, if I have to uh, uh, send locusts to devour what they have, if I have to send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. If they'll do that. If means there is a condition. Boy, I sure want God to touch America again. Don't y'all? I want God to touch me again. I want God to touch the church again. But there are conditions to that happening. Preacher, what is the remedy that's declared? There is a an attitude we must possess. There's too many people with attitude problems. Y'all listening? Attitude problem. Jerry Reed come out with a cool song a long time ago, an attitude adjustment. It works every time. I have received plenty in my time. Amen. An attitude adjustment. I'd feel one way about a situation, and then when my dad was through with me, I felt a totally different way about it. We come to God with bitterness. We come to God in pride. We come to God like we're something. The preacher will preach truth and we'll get an attitude. The preacher will get on his knees and beg God to give him what they need. And when he gives them what God told them to give him, they'll get mad and get an attitude. I don't know if y'all realize it or not, but on that sign out there it says Temple Baptist Church. It did not say community center. 
It did not say Civic Center. It did not say Bowling Alley. It did not say Walmart. Now, what did you think you was going to hear when you come up in here? I mean, this is not a psychologist's office. We didn't come to psychoanalyze anybody. We came to say, this is what God said. This is what the Word of the Lord says. I was not commissioned to analyze anybody. I was not, listen, I was not called and commissioned by God to see what the polls are saying. No, sir. My Bible says, preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. I need some help in this house. I am to preach the truth. You say you're rubbing the cat backwards. I'm telling you, if I'm preaching truth and I'm rubbing the cat backwards, it's time for the cat to turn around. Oh, you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I'm not fly catching. I'm Bible preaching. When we say we need to live right, We need to talk right. We need to act right. We don't need to be shacking up. We need to be, listen, studying God's Word. We need to be living holy and righteous. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. And we come into a church and hear that and get an attitude. You know what's going to change? You know what's going to change? If we do this, if we have an attitude adjustment. What did he say? If my people shall humble them. Amazing to me, people just want to go out here and live any way they want to live. And just mosey on in here like everything's okay. Like God didn't see all week long. I may not have seen it. Your wife or your husband may not have seen it. Your, your parents may not have seen it. Young people, y'all can play around on God if you want to. But I promise you this, God's not playing games. I've heard this and that about about. about and all that and, and you say preach what are you going to do that's not my business my business is preach the word God will handle them God will handle you as well as me but if, you're, if you're tired of that correcting if you're tired of that chastening if you're tired of that lifestyle you've been living go ahead and play go ahead where's it got you where's it got you The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. Boy, when it's through. The wages of sin is death. Is that a game you really want to play? The saddest part is this. I'm I'm, I'm talking about God's children. Sinners are going to be sinners. We're We're not here to expect a lost person to act saved. I'm talking about God's children who profess to know God. Oh, you're playing a dangerous game. Preacher, what do we need to do? We need to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Humility says that I'm nothing and God is everything. Humility says I can't fix my situation. Humility is David saying, Lord, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my transgression." He's saying, it's me, Lord. What was the difference between when Saul prayed and David prayed? 
Saul said, Lord, I, I know that was wrong that I'd done, but it was those folks over there that made me do it. But David said, it's me. What's the remedy to our situation? What's the remedy to where we're at? Listen, there's got to be an attitude we must possess. He said, humble themselves. Then the next part of that verse says, and seek my face. There's a tension we must pursue. Seek my face. Y'all were singing that song a while ago. Y'all singing that song a while ago about tears on the altar. Where have they gone? Where's the brokenness gone? Where's the humility gone? Where is the need for God gone? I tell you when it'll be back is when the stock market completely crashes. When four more planes fly into buildings and kill two or three thousand people. It's amazing. It's amazing. I remember, how many of y'all remember 9-11? Isn't it amazing you can remember exactly where you are? You can remember exactly what you were doing when you heard it? I remember to this day, I was staying with Brother, Brother Doyle. I, was, I, I taught my first class over at Bible college, and, and that morning I woke up and seen I was, I was getting ready to come home. And I went up to, uh, I went up to Victory, and, and I heard something on the radio about, about planes fall, or excuse me, planes crashing and, and, and buildings on fire. I said, my goodness, what? A, got up to the church and they had it on TV, and you, we could see it, and it was right there about the time it fell. I remember the eerie feeling. I remember the eerie feeling that I had driving from, from North Augusta, South Carolina, coming across I-20 and getting about, because you go right by the airport, and big flashing signs, National State of Emergency. Airport closed. And hardly anybody on the highways. What an eerie, spooky feeling. Getting home and, man, all I could think about was my kids and my wife and my family and wanting to get home to be with them. And just about, listen, two weeks or three weeks after that happened, just about every billboard that you could see was, pray. We were putting up banners. We were putting up ribbons. We were putting up everything in the world. People, pray. Everybody, pray. We need the power of God. We need the touch of God. We need the grace of God. We need the presence of God. Let me ask you a question. Where are they at? Where's the banners? Where's the ribbons? We've forgotten God. Oh, we need to humble ourselves. God's people. We need to humble ourselves and seek His face. And pray. Pray. Not only that, the Bible says, if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Sometimes, sometimes we'll go far enough, but not near far enough. If what we know is wrong, and we keep doing it, we keep doing it. We keep living it. We keep acting it. Something's wrong. In the book of 1 John, the Bible says, the Bible says if a man is born of God, he's not going to practice sin. Sure, he's going to mess up. Sure, he's going to slip up. 
Sure, there's, there's going to be times when there's going to be a failure or a mistake. We live in a human body. We live in the flesh. It's not perfect. But the Bible says if we are saved, if we are born of God, if we have the seed of God in our heart, that we will not practice sin. It, if we do sin, it'll be a mistake. So what's wrong? Where's it at? Where are we at? Where are you at as a Christian? Have you turned from habits? Have you turned from behavior? Have you turned from where you are, where you know you're not supposed to be, to where you're supposed to be? You know what I found out about that? I'm the only one can do it for me. Well, what? How, how do I know if I'm not in the right place? Well, if you're saved, you know. I laugh. No, I don't. I want to cry. People will come to my office and say, Well, preacher, you think it'd be all right to do... You know why they're asking me? Because God already told them no. And they're trying to ease their conscience because if the preacher says it's okay, then it'd be all right, and then it'll, it, God will have to deal with him. Usually, not all the time, not all the time, but usually, if you have to ask, Usually. Are y'all with me? Y'all still alive? Chicken's almost done. I got an earpiece and they say, ain't quite done. Keep preaching. Amen. We don't want raw chicken, bless God. We preach against salmonella around here. How do I know if I'm where I'm supposed to be? God will tell you. Amen. I see we're so enjoying this. Let's get number three. Amen. What was number one? What was number one? Y'all remember it? Write this down. We see the rebuke this described. Number two, the there's an attitude we must possess, an attention we must pursue, and an activity we must pledge. Turn from our wicked ways. Turn back to God. But then last of all, thank God we're going to leave on good news. The Bible says if they'll do that, then, then, there's, there's two words in this verse, if and then. In other words, we have a part, we have a job to do, we have a responsibility. That's to humble ourselves. That's to seek God. That's to turn from our wicked ways. Then God will do His part. What did He say He would do? He said, I will hear from heaven. What is there going to be? There's going to be a reactivation of communication. I know there's a lot of words in that. Do the best you can. It's amazing to me how many people pray and are wasting their time when they pray. You say, what are you talking about? You can't waste time. There's never a waste of time in prayer. Well, the Bible says if I, if I regard iniquity in my heart, then he will not hear me. How many of y'all got cell phones? Aren't they just a blessing? And you know what I hate the most? What I hate the most is when I'm talking on it and then it goes dead and, and, and I can't hear them, but they can still hear me. I know none of y'all have ever done this before. This stupid thing, I'm going to talk. I don't know. I don't need. I, I, I. And then I call them back. Well, preacher. I, what, what, what's, 
I heard everything you said. Don't tell nobody. Amen. I'm here talking. It's wasting time. You go down the road, you're talking on it, you're talking on it, and it goes out. How many of y'all have ever talked three or four minutes straight and didn't even realize they wasn't even listening no more? <laughs> and then the funny part is, when you, when you realize it, you look around to see if anybody saw you, and you're the only one in the car. What's happening? You are wasting your breath. You're talking, but ain't nobody listening. Preacher, what are you getting at? The point I'm trying to make is this. If you're living in sin, if you're living in a way that you know God is not pleased with, the only prayer from you God will hear is a prayer of repentance. You can pray and you can beg and you can plead all you want to, but you're going to hit a brick wall. How do you know that? Because God said, if you do this, then will I what? Aren't we, isn't that the Bible? Didn't we just read the Bible? And the Bible cannot lie. You mean to tell me I can, I, 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 if I don't change my ways, God's not going to hear me when I ask for something? That's what that Bible says. You know what some of God's children need? Good old-fashioned dose of humility. They need to fall and, and dig their nose about as deep in that carpet as they can and get right with God. I'm talking about God's people. Why? So they will reinstate communication. How many of y'all have heard bad news before? And somebody asks you, please, 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 please pray for us. So-and-so was in a wreck. So-and-so was in an accident. So, and, and then when they ask you that, deep down in your heart, you knew you wasn't in a place where you could be able to get a hold of God. For them. What if it's your child? See, you've got to understand something. You've got to understand something. As God's children, and bear with me, I'm almost done, but please don't miss this. As God's children... If you're not living the way you should, you could affect those around you. The correction that you get could affect those that are sitting beside you. I heard, I heard a man foolishly say this. A situation happened in his family. He said, God won't make my son pay for my sin. Ask David that. They had a, a baby out of adultery. God said that baby will die. It wasn't the baby's fault, it was David's fault. You're just trying to scare me. No, I'm just trying to keep from New London, Texas happening to us. God is no respecter of persons. If we are not where we're supposed to be, God will do whatever it takes to get us there. Boy, if we call on Him and humble ourselves and, and get right with Him, man, we'll hear from heaven. He said, not only will I hear from heaven, but I will forgive their sin. He didn't just say, I'm going to bless them. Because sin is a barrier. Sin is a problem. Sin is an obstacle. Sin is what separates God from His people. 
and sin must be dealt with. He said, if they'll call on me, I will hear from heaven. I will hear their prayer of repentance. I will hear them, and I'll forgive their sin. I'll wash it white as snow. Then he says this. Then he says this. And this is what America needs today. I will heal their land. Now watch this. The land was affected because of the people's sin, God's people's sin. In other words, lost people will be affected by the way saved people behave. Did y'all catch that? We need our courthouses healed. We need our schoolhouses. Say amen. We need our state houses and our white house. We need all of them healed. But it's going to start in the church house. I will heal their land. We need God to touch America again. But church, it starts here. You may, maybe you've harbored bitterness in your heart towards somebody. Maybe, maybe you, ha- you have habits in your life that you're not willing to deal with. Maybe you're running from God a hundred miles an hour. Maybe you've got an attitude problem. Maybe you think God can't catch you. Do you mind if I give the illustration about the person we're talking I won't say the name. You know who I'm talking about. A young man, a young man who was saved years ago. Brother, Brother Dole was talking to him and he got away from God. He had got away from God and lived in a way that he knew was wrong. Brother Dole tried to witness to him. He said, look, man, you need to, you need to come back. And isn't it funny how when you witness to people who are not right with God, first thing they're going to blame and accuse you of is being self-righteous. He said, look, Brother Dole said, look, man, God's not going to take this. If you belong to God, God's going to do, He's going to do whatever it takes, man. Please come back. And this was his word. God's just going to have to do what he's got to do. Now before you go, hmm, you may not have said it. But if you keep living out here when you're supposed to be here, you might as well have said it. He said, God will just have to do what he's got to do. Last week, they, they cut a skin cancer off that required a pile of stitches. And they said it's already gone into his lymph node. Preacher, what are you saying? That man preached a gospel sermon when he made that statement. God will do what he has to do. Preacher, what do you want to do? Man, I want to find God. Preacher, what do you want us to do? Man, I want you to be right. I want you to be right. I've got 500 outlines in my, in my office, in my computer, in my Bible that was grace and love and all that stuff, and I would have loved a million times to preach them and just laugh and enjoy God's power. God said there's people that are in danger. There's people in this house right now that's right on the verge 
resurrection. God has tried and tried and tried and tried to get your attention. But the very next step is going to be devastating. Please, before that takes place, adjust your attitude about it. Get your heart right with God. Find a place in this altar and ask God to touch you and forgive you. And I promise you this, there will be communication again. God will touch your life and change your heart. Church, say amen. Every head bowed and every eye